Morning again. We thank our Lord for this, uh, for this privilege that he gives us this morning to, uh, to preach the word of God. It is a privilege to, for us. And I'll invite you to open the, uh, the word of God uh, to Mark chapter 5. We're still we're in, in the series of Mark still, and that's where we're going to be in. Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 43. Now let me tell you, we are not going to read. It's a long, I want to save time. I want to save time. Uh, but when you read, when you read, uh, uh, or when you read and st- or, or study, or study uh, about our Lord, uh, it, it is amazing to see the, the, the magnificence of Christ when you read all of this, right? When we read th- these stories. And, and I'm saying I'm not going to read them because I'm, I, I want to go, I want to go th- with you through, the whole, through this whole story and, uh, and you will see. Thank you. And you will see what I mean by, by looking at, at the magnificence, the amazingness of our, of our Savior. Amen? <clears throat> I'm just going to give you the heading, the heading of this passage, which, it says, which says, Jesus heals a woman and Jairus' daughter. I think, we all, I think we, we, we've all heard the stories before, I hope. Very common, very common stories. Uh, so I hope you have um, heard them or, or, or read them before. Now, in our passage, it's a text that, uh, that's given to us in, in uh, um, Matthew 9 and Luke 8, including with Mark. And there are two miracles in this passage, as you will notice. There's two miracles uh, in here. And they're interest, interestingly uh, arranged. It's a story within a story, a miracle within a miracle. Uh, and and they're, they're wonderful stories. And if you have not read them, I, I would encourage you to read them. Uh, these stories that Mark tells us, these stories that Mark tells us, uh, uh, let us know who Christ is, right? We've been talking about that, who Christ is. Uh, and, and, but before I get into the passage, I'm going to give you a, a larger context. And if you remember last week, Pastor, as, when, I, when I start, uh, Pastor Dan talked a, a little bit about this last week, and I'm just going to piggyback on that. I'm going to piggyback on that. Um, anybody who understands the Bible knows that the human race fell as a result of Adam and Eve's uh, sin. Right? And that sin, that particular sin, it, 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 it catapulted all mankind into sin. That one, only one sin. And because of that, sin infects and affects. Sin infects and affects every human being. So much, so much, that literally it dominates everything to the point, to the point that we could say that man is enslaved to sin. Man is enslaved to sin. Amen? <clears throat> Can't get my page. And that sin is such a force, it's such a corrupting force that it pollutes every faculty of man. It corrupts every word of man. It corrupts every thought, every, every word. It affects all of man, all of it. 
And the result of that is that it hurdles men into suffering, into sickness, into sorrow, uh, into death, and at the end to everlasting hell. Everlasting hell. But all along the way through that, but all along the way through that, there's many griefs, there's many sufferings, and there's much pain. And every, universally, everybody goes through that, universally. And so the question comes, the question is, is there any hope? Is there any hope? Is there, is there any deliverance from sin? And it's horrendous consequences. Well, the Bible tells us a resounding yes. There is a deliverer. There is a rescuer. There is a savior. There is one. And is no one but our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And the four Gospels, the four Gospels that were written with the purpose of giving us evidence of that. Proof, proof concerning the fact that Jesus is the one and only Savior of sin. That's what they give us. And they all tell us of the mighty works, right? And that's the purpose of, of, of telling us of the mighty works. He is the one, he is the one who has the power over demons, Power over disease, power over death, power over even creation, as we, we saw a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he controls the, 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 the creation itself. He controls the wind. He controls the water. He creates organs. He creates limbs. He creates food out of nothing. He is our Lord. And he is the one who has the power to destroy Satan. And as we saw last week, he has the power to destroy even the whole host of demons. Remember the, the, the possessed man? All of this gives evidence that he's a deliverer. And as we were praying for a, a little while ago, one day, one day, and, and I believe it's sooner than what we think, sooner than what we think, he will take us out of this world. He will take us out of here and deliver us from all our anguish and all our sin. And I can't wait. I cannot wait. Who's tired of being here? <laughs> I am. I want to go home. Amen? And we will soon. And so the, mir and so the miracles we read uh, uh, were Jesus' self-revelation, the manifestation, uh, 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 the verification of his person by his power he displayed. And along with that power, there was unparalleled, there was nothing like that power. Also, an unparalleled compassion or pity that came along with that. And the expression of his power, we was always filled with mercy. Mercy for, uh, uh, towards the human pain and suffering. And that's what we have in our passage. We see both the power and the compassion of our Lord made manifest. Now, uh, as we're going to see, the main miracle here is the resurrection of uh, Jairus' daughter. That's the main miracle. But in, in, in the midst of that resurrection that, 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 that's to come, there is a miraculous parenthesis, if you will. And that, adds, that just adds momentum towards the, the great act of raising the dead of, 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 of that little girl. But both stories are amazing and, and, and beautiful stories. They're memorable. 
Like I said, I hope you have read them. Uh, 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 and both stories show the, the, the power, the power, the deity of Christ, the, 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 the compassion of Christ. Now, like always, these stories, the stories of Jesus, gives us a, a pattern that we can follow in how, how we are to live in this world and how we are to minister in this world. That's the purpose of the stories, of the stories too. And, and so the first thing we see of our Lord, of our Lord here is his accessibility. Am I saying it right? Yes, access, accessibility. When I'm standing here, tongue twisters. He was accessible to everyone. He never tried to seclude himself to, or, or protect some, himself from human uh, uh, contact uh, like m many religious leaders. He, didn't, he, he was not staying at the Taj Mahal of Jerusalem away from the people. No, he was ministering in the, in the streets. He spent this his time ministering in the streets, in the hillsides, in the fields, in the synagogues, in the homes, and by the sea. Occasionally, he would take time to pray to his father, right? But that was occasionally, and sometimes it would be during the night, during the night. But he would always come back to the crowds. He would always come back to the crowds. That's what he came for. He came for them. He came for them, and he was to, it was to them that he would reveal himself. So he was always surrounded by crowds. And again, you remember when we started this, uh, when we started this series, it wasn't just a little crowd. It wasn't, uh, you know, we, we may say 200 people, it's a lot of people. No. There were thousands and thousands and thousands of people coming to see him. Large crowds, large crowds. And I always say, can, can you imagine someone who could heal anything, create limbs? I mean, we, we've, we've never seen that, and we will never see that again. So there were doubt, and he, he would heal them in an instant. In a split second, he would heal them. So there were thousands of people coming to see him, but still he was always accessible to them. This is, and, and this is how this story begins. If you, if you read verse 21, it says, And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea again, always ministering to people. <clears throat> now, you remember what had, what, 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 what had happened. Where is he coming from, right? He's coming from the, uh, from the, uh, from the uh, city of, uh, I can't say it in English, Gerasens, Gerasenses. He's coming from that city, and you remember what happened there, right? He delivered that, that possessed man. He delivered possessed man, and the, the sad thing about it is that the people didn't want him there. They told him, you got to go, because as he, he delivered that man from that legion of, of demons, they asked permission to go into the swine. The swine went off the, uh, off the cliff and into the water, and they said, we don't want you here. The only one that wanted to be with him was who? The demoniac man, right? But he said, no, go and witness. The first, the first evangelist there to go witness about, about Christ. And so he leaves from there, gets on the boat with his disciples, travels six, six miles <clears throat> on the Sea of, of Galilee. And when he arrives here, there's a big crowd waiting for him. There's a big crowd waiting for him. He's a celebrity. Our Lord is a celebrity. Big time. Big time. 
but it wasn't because of his personality. It's not his personality. These people were fascinated. They, they had a fascination with this power. They had never heard such a, such a teaching, profound, profound, yet so clear. He was the son of God after all, right? Preacher of preachers. Has not been a preacher like him. And he's the son of God. But yet, he's accessible. And we're not so, so we are not surprised that there were thousands and thousands of people that were coming to see him. To see him to get healed. And again, healings from every disease and in an instant. <clears throat> but they're not interested in his, in his message. They're not interested in his theology. They're not, they're not interested in none of that. All they're interested is in the healings, all they were interested in the food that he was that he was providing. Remember, providing food out of nothing, right? So these people were, we could say, they were the first of the prosperity gospel. Just looking for the temporal. We're not looking for the eternal. We're not looking for the eternal. But in the midst of that fickle crowd, in the midst of that fickle crowd, there were two people. Two people that stand out. There's no relationship to each other. They're not, no relationship to each other. But Matthew, Luke, and Mark ties them together beautifully, beautifully. A, a man and a woman, one rich, one poor, one respected, one rejected, one uh, honor, one ashamed, one leading the synagogue, the other excommunicated from the synagogue, one with a 12-year-old dying daughter, the other one with a 12-year-old disease. Amazing, right? Interesting people. Two people. Very interesting. Luke 1, 52 tells us this. This is, this is Mary uh, uh, saying her Magnificat. God was a savior. God was a savior who, who brought down the mighty and exalted those who were humble. That's what it says there. And here is a perfect illustration of that. And so we have this scene right here in, in verse 22. This is the scene. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell, he fell at his feet. This is the scene. <clears throat> As we could see again is his accessibility, the accessibility of Jesus. Jairus didn't have to come and make an appointment, right? He didn't have to come and be screened to, to, to hey, does he have time to see me? No, he was just accessible to everyone. <clears throat> and this is a very, this is a very str strange thing uh, uh, that that official of the synagogue would come and just bow, bow down in, in front of Christ. And that's why Luke adds this, and behold, because it was something shocking. This, this was not a normal thing. This was not a normal thing that one of the leaders of the, of the synagogue would come and bow and bow uh, before anybody. But it was this man. <clears throat> he, and he's not a Pharisee, he's not a Sadducee, none of that. He's just an, uh, uh, he's not an official in terms of religion. He's a synagogue official, meaning that he was the overseer or, or, or he was just, uh, uh, he had the responsibilities of an administrator of the, of the synagogue. 
So he was, his, his uh, 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 responsibilities were supervising uh, uh, activities, appointing readers, prayers, teachers, uh, things, things of, uh, of that sort. But he was a very respected re re religious man, a man of devotion, a mature, a mature le leader there. And he was selected by the people to be that, to be the... Uh, 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 one of the elders, if you will, from there. So he had a high rank in the, in the religious establishment. And obviously he had heard of, heard of Jesus. Who had not heard of him? All the miracles, all the, uh, all the healings. He had heard uh, of, of, of Jesus. <clears throat> Maybe he was a witness to some of those miracles. We don't know. But what we do know is that the Spirit of God was working on this man. He was working on his heart. And I believe this, he, he was coming from a, a genuine heart. His, his posture in falling in, in front of our Lord, it, it, it was a posture of humility, right? A posture of humility. It, it is a need of desperation. And also it shows also his faith, also his faith, right? Verse 23 says, he comes begging, pleading, saying, uh, my daughter is at the point of death. Please come and, and lay your hands on her so she, will be, so she will get well and live. Do you see the faith of this man? This was great faith, great faith. Now, we don't know if he had seen uh, a resurrection before. We don't know. Uh, uh, and by the way, none had occurred in the neighborhood of this man before, be, you know, before this. Nothing. So there had been no resurrections around there. At this time. And the thing that Matthew gives the account, the, 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 the account Matthew gives is that he says he comes to the Lord and tells him, my daughter had died. So he knew that his daughter had died. He knew that. And I, may, I mentioned this because this is, this is a, 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 the fact that he, this man's faith was completely put on Jesus Christ. It was on Christ that his faith was on. He couldn't believe on the cross. The cross had not happened yet. He couldn't believe on the resurrection because it had not happened yet. So I believe that Jesus, <clears throat> I believe this man thought he believed that Jesus was who he claimed, who Jesus claimed to be, the Holy One of God, the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Redeemer, the Savior of the world, who alone can bring redemption from sin. And we heard, we, we, I'm pretty sure we all know he, he heard the message. I'm sure he did. But there was something else that was gripping his heart. As, as parents, we know that that would be the case. His daughter was dying. So there was something in his heart that was gripping him. He had a 12-year-old daughter who was dying. And verse 42 tells us that he was, she was 12 years old. Now, at that particular time for a 12-year-old, she had reached the age where she was eligible for marriage. Interesting, right? She was eligible for marriage, ready to be an adult, to begin life as a wife, as, as a mother, as all of that. So this, this was a very anticipated time for, 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 for this girl's life. But she was, she was ill, very ill to the point, to the point of death. And again, later on, we come in, in, the, in, the, in the account of Mark, he tells us in, in verse 35, he comes and somebody tells him, your, your daughter, your daughter's dead, she's, she's gone. But what we could see here, again, is the accessibility of Christ. He's accessible. Not only accessible, but 
This goes a little bit deeper. He's available. He's available. Verse 24, he says, he went, on, he, he went off with him, stopped everything, and said, let's go. Jairus comes. He says, my daughter is very real, ill. Come and lay your hands on her, and she'll be well. And what Christ said, let's do it. Let's go. And here we see the compassion and the pity uh, that's always connected with the power of Christ. Oh, they're always connected. And we, we, we have seen in, 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 other, in other stories the, the compassion, the pity of Christ. Uh, uh, Matthew 14, uh, <clears throat> that was characteristic of our Lord, right? Matthew 14, 14 says he was, he was moved to compassion. Mark 8, 2 tells us our Lord says, I have compassion on the, on, on the multitude. Matthew 9, 36 says he... When he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. So we could see there's many other verses that show he had great compassion. <clears throat> Much compassion on the heart of God for those who suffer. So they're off to Jairus' house. But on the way, there, there's an interruption. But one thing about our Lord, too, that he was interruptible. He was interruptible. Nothing would come and just and face him. It, it, it's something we should learn, right? Because we get, whenever we get into, we're, we're doing something or we're going somewhere or, or something that we think it's important, when somebody interrupts us, it's just like we get, we get all flustered. Not our Lord. Our Lord didn't get flustered. He said, no problem. No problem. <clears throat> no problem. It's all good. We'll take care of it. And here we have the miracle within a miracle, Right? We have a miracle within a miracle. A woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years appears on the scene. And this woman is described, if you read, this woman is described in detail. If you read the three accounts, it's, she's described uh, in, in, in a lot of detail. But we'll simplify it for the sake of time. She's a female with a bleeding problem. And she's had this bleeding problem for, for, for a long time, for 12 years as long as Jairus' daughter has been alive. We don't know how, what happened. We don't know what caused it. But she definitely had some, some physical uh, effects because of that illness. Uh, maybe some of you know. Uh, anemia, loss of energy, loss of strength, constant hemorrhaging, embarrassment, and the danger of death. All of those things were, were going on. But there was, there was more than that. It wasn't just the physical aspects of that. That would have been enough. But it was even more than that. <clears throat> On top of that, there was the Old, uh, uh, old Testament law. According to Leviticus uh, 12.3.8, it says there are two, but it's 12. I, I, I gave them, and I forgot to tell her. It was it's, uh, Le Leviticus 12.3.8, and I apologize. And in Levit Le Leviticus 15, 19 to 27, uh, according to this, a woman, who, a, a woman was unclean for seven days after such an experience of her, of her cycle. She was uh, unclean. She had to be separate, right? She was unclean. Uh, uh, and so this woman who has been bleeding for 12 years, 12 years, she could never be clean. She could never be clean, never. Uh, and an unclean, defiled, if you read those, the, uh, those passages, an unclean, defiled woman, she couldn't touch the, she couldn't go to the synagogue. 
She was an outcast from the synagogue for, two, for this woman. I'm talking about this woman now. For 12 years. And if she touched her husband, her husband would be unclean. And if she touched her children, her children would be unclean. If she touched any stranger, the stranger would be unclean. And if you read, it says that, that if, if they, if they, wherever she sat, it was defiled. Wherever she would lay, it was defiled. This was a horrible, a horrible life for this woman. A horrible <clears throat> because there was no way to become ceremonial clean. No way. She couldn't. Never. And by the way, all the laws of clean and unclean, there were just a, a symbolic ways to, to uh, demonstrate how sin soils and defiles and corrupts everything. And it was just a constant, constant. If you read those, the laws, it's just it's very interesting. But it just, it was the reminder of that. And this woman, if we could see, she was doomed. She could never be able to rise beyond that. Could never. She would never be allowed anywhere. <clears throat> Unable to touch anyone without defiling them. Anybody. What sad, sad story or situation for this lady. Verse 26 tells us that she, uh, she had tried many physicians. She had spent all of her money. Trying to find, trying to find a, 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 a solution for this illness, but there was no help. There was no help, uh, and it tells us that the rather it, it grew worse. Her problem, sad, and I'm not going to go. There's some so many interesting things about this. Uh, the, the 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 prescriptions that the doctors will will give uh, to to heal this thing. There was just like. Uh, ashes of, of, of eggs of an ostrich, and she would have to carry them on, on, a, on, a, on different sacks during the winter and during the summer. Obviously, that just, just w would not work. We know that, right? But this disease was uncurable. But she had heard about our Lord Jesus Christ. We, she had heard about the healings, about the miracles. And you know what? She believed it. She believed it. So she wanted to, she, 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 she's in there. She has heard about our, our Lord. She's a, around there. She has heard. She sees this multitude. That, that so she goes right into the crowd. She goes right into the crowd. She's violating every boundary of her, of her tradition and, and the Old, Old Testament law. <clears throat> right? Because she had to rub. She had to rub. She had to touch everyone. We all, we all been in those places, right? That there's just crowds of, tight crowds, so she had a rub. She was defiling everyone, uh, all of them, ceremonially. And even though the disease was not uh, um, contagious, ceremonially she was defiling everybody she touched. And so she was trying to hide her embarrassment, uh, for embarrassment, she was uh, she, maybe the resentment of the people if they knew who she was. Uh, but verse 27 says, she came up in the crowd behind him. So she's moving through the crowd. She mo she's moving through the crowd and she reaches and she touches his cloak. So hoping to avoid being seen, but with a strong faith. And she had to overcome the shame, right? She had to overcome the shame. Her fear of being rejected and all of that. Uh, maybe her head was covered. Maybe she was wearing a hoodie. Who knows? But she was, she was going in there. She sneaked her way into the, and, and touched his cloak. She was crawling in through the, uh, uh, through the, through the crowd. Touched his cloak. 
Luke tells us um, that she touched the fringe of his, of his cloak. And verse 20, 28 tells us that she said to herself, if I just touch his garments, I will get healed. I will get well. If I could just touch him. Do you see the faith of this woman too? Amazing. That's why these two people stand out. Because of their faith. Such a faith that they had. There was no lack of faith. There was no, no doubt here. She believed. And it's amazing faith. Amazing faith. Now, the, re, the question is, how did, why did she have this kind of confidence? Well, same thing. She had heard of the Lord. She had seen, probably witnessed or heard the healings, all of that that, that, that the Lord has done. And the Bible tells us, <clears throat> again, that he healed everyone that would come to him. And she believed that. She believed that. So I think she said, uh, I don't have to be seen. I could just crawl within this multitude. And if I could just grab the cloak, the fringe, the tassel, uh, the tassel, uh, he has so much power that I believe I would be healed. That's the kind of faith she had. Unbelievable. And verse 29 says, <laughs> this is beautiful. Verse 29, immediately, immediately the flow of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Time froze for this woman. Time stood still. You ever seen those movies where you see that, that, that everybody stands still and there's just that one person that, 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 that was her. Time stood still for this, for this woman, for everyone. Time froze. Time froze for a moment, and the bleeding stopped. Amazing. Amazing. So the physical problem was solved, right? She's healed. But not the spiritual and not the social. And verse 30 begins again with a, with a, with a repeating uh, these words, immediately. Immediately, Jesus perceiving in himself uh, that, the power, that, the, that the power proceeding from him <clears throat> had gone forth, turned around, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? Who touched my garments? Now, this is amazing revelation about Christ. And let me tell you why. His power is personal. And I want you to get this. His power is personal. Because sometimes as we, we, we tend to think of God as, a, as, a, as, as Einstein would, would uh, see God as, as a cosmic force. He's just a force out there. And wow, listen, he's, he's, not, uh, he's unaltered by, by what men do or don't do. He's still personally engaged in every act of power that he does. So whether it's power expressed in grace or power expressed in wrath, he feels the power. He feels the power. It's personal. Now hear this. Because sometimes this is what we say, right? When we want to witness to somebody. Do you have a personal relationship with Christ? I do. I have a personal relationship with Christ. But let me tell you something. Everyone who's been alive has had a personal relationship with Christ. With, with Jesus. <clears throat> Everyone. He's personally involved 
on their redemption or he's personally involved in their judgment. Because wrath comes out of him too, and that's judgment. So it's either in redemption, in judgment, in wrath, but both, do you get that? Both have a relationship. I'd rather have it with redemption. <laughs> I'd rather have myself being saved than with judgment and wrath, right? But every expression of his power is experienced that he feels. No one receives his power into their life without a personal involvement. No one. Hebrews 1.3 tells us that he is upholding everything by the word of his power. <clears throat> and this is something he personally does. He's not just some kind of emotionalist force making everything happen for the sake of time. That, that is not him. We know that we are, listen, us as Christians now, we know that we are called, we are justified, we are sanctified, and one day we'll be glorified. Because we are in a living union, personally, union with Jesus Christ, right? <clears throat> and we could say, as Paul said, I live yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Amen? So he's fully involved in ourselves, working out his spiritual work of salvation to the fullness and final completion in the power of the Holy Spirit, who is intimately working, involved in our lives. Isn't that beautiful? Ah, I think that's beautiful. He lives in us, and he's involved in, in, our, in our sanctification and all of that. And that's what it means to be in Christ. We are in living union with him. This means intimate, personal involvement with everyone, every one of us. Amazing. Amen? Now, for this woman, in this in this. Uh, uh, particular occasion here, he has, our Lord has more, more work to do. Uh, she, ha, she had a place in the purpose, uh, a place on the purposes of God, and she had, a play, she had a place in the family of God, and that's the beauty of this. At, at the end of verse 30, the Lord says, who touched my garments? Now, he didn't say that because he was looking for some information. He wasn't looking for information. He knew. He knew. What he wanted to do is to draw the woman in. Wanted to draw the women out of the crowd, into him, but from the crowd, right? And that's our Lord. Remember last week? He's pursuing the sinner. He's pursuing the sinner. Luke 1910 says he, he has come to pursue, seek, and save. That's our Lord. That's our Lord. And, and, and it, it, this is the, the inexhaustible grace that seeks not the sinner's temporal fulfillment, but the spiritual fulfillment of men. And praise the Lord for that. And well, the disciples, uh, the, the disciples respond in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a true fashion of the disciples, right? Because the crowd is pressing on, uh, and, 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 and he says, who touched me? And what do the disciples say? What, what, what do they say? There's a big crowd here. Everybody's touching everybody. Come on, Jesus. And you say, who touched me? Come on. <laughs> but you know what's going on? You know what's going on? This question comes from, uh, from a, a human standpoint. Because from this time, there's been no dialogue, right? They're just walking along. There's, there's, there's no dialogue between anybody. We know that she thought what she thought. We know what he thought. But nobody's saying anything. So nobody knows nothing. 
<clears throat> she knows that she's been healed, and, and Christ knows that she has healed her, uh, healed somebody, right? Uh, he knew who she was. <clears throat> but our Lord also knows that there's more work to do in her life. More work to do in her life. He wasn't finished, he wasn't finished with her yet. And only the two of them know. And she didn't know what the, what the end purposes of God were, so she just had no idea. The truth is that she, she, she could have just turned around and walked away, right? She could just turn around and walked away and be healed, and that was it. But there was more. It was more. Because she would have to, she would have to be taken, uh, it, it would have taken time for her to convince the other people that she was, she was cleaned. It would have been difficult for her how she was going to do it. So it would, it would have been difficult for her to get to, uh, to convince the people that she was clean. <clears throat> so bringing her out of the crowd and, and declaring her clean would open the doors for her to come again into society. But there was something more beyond that too. Verse 32, Jesus looked, at the, looked around to see the, the woman who had done this. He looked all around to find her. And finally, she was willing to reveal herself. Luke adds this, that as the, as the Lord was saying, who touched me? Everybody was, you know, he says, power came out of me and, and something happened here. Everybody's saying, it wasn't me. No, don't look at me. It wasn't me. Nobody wanted to, nobody wanted anything with that. But verse 33, but the woman fearing, trembling of what had happened to her. Let's just stop there for, for, for a minute. Because this is not fear of embarrassment. This is not fear of hostility from the crowd because she had touched them and defiled them. This is none of that. None of that. This is holy fear. This is holy fear. This is holy terror. She's aware of what has happened to her. She was healed, healed on a split second in an instant. And she knows it. And she knows for sure what Jesus Christ has been saying all along and what Mark has been trying to tell us all this time. That Christ, the Son of God, <clears throat> that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And she is in the presence of divinity. She is in the presence of deity. This is holy fear. This is holy fear. This is the kind of fear of Manoah. Who knows who Manoah is? Samson's father. This is the fear that Manoah said when he came home, when, when she, the, the, the Lord has spoken to him. He comes into his house and he said to his wife, we are going to die because we just saw the Lord. This is the kind of fear. This is the kind of fear in Ezekiel 1, 1 uh, uh, the other is in Judges 13.3, Manoah. <clears throat> this is the fear that Ezekiel had, uh, that it terrified him to the point that he fell in a semi-coma in Ezekiel 1.28 when he was witnessing the glory of God. This is the fear that Isaiah experienced in, in, in Isaiah chapter 6 when he says, Woe is me because I have seen the Lord. And as I was telling, the, I was telling the, 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 the study downstairs, that woe is me is I am going to die. I am going to disintegrate because my eyes had seen the Lord. And this is also the fear the disciples, remember two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, the disciples are in the boat. There's a storm. The storm grabs them, right? And they are fearful when Christ says, be still, be quiet. 
and he calms the storm, right? Let me tell you, the disciples were more afraid of the presence of God in their boat than the storm that was out there because they knew they were in the presence of deity. Amen? Amen. That's intimidation by the presence of deity. And that becomes more evident with what she does. She comes and she falls down before him. <clears throat> before him. They all know what has happened, right? And they all know what that meant when she comes and she falls in front of the Lord. You know why? Because Jews didn't bow to anyone. They're cured from that. Jews didn't bow to anybody. They didn't have a king. So they just didn't bow to, to anybody. The only one that would bow down, down would, be, would be only God. Only to God. So she drops fully aware of the terror of being a sinner in the presence of the Lord. And, and this is a, a, a posture that, that, that begs, that begs for, for, for mercy, for grace, uh, for her sin. And then she makes the public confession. Verse 33. She told him the whole truth. Told her, uh, told her the, the whole story about her about her sickness, the confession of her faith and of her feel, healing, uh, and the need for mercy. Luke says she, she declared in the presence of all the people. Everyone heard her story. Everyone. Verse 34 tells us that our Lord, how our Lord responded. He said to her, daughter. What a term. What a term. That's what I'm saying when you read this. You see, you see the magnificence of our Lord. You see his compassion, his love, his mercy. Because this is the first time. This is the first time that term daughter is used for a woman. He didn't say woman. He said daughter. That's beautiful. <clears throat> daughter, your faith has made you well. Has made you well. Now that word well is zozo. To save. It's about salvation. To save. Your faith has literally saved you. The word for healing is ayomai. Which is completely different than sozo. Right? So she was saved and she was healed. Glory to God. Then he says go in peace and listen. <laughs> Peace only belongs to those who, who, who made peace with God. That's us. That's us. We made peace with God. And it only belongs to those who have made peace with him. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. She's received back to health, back to society, back to her family, back to the synagogue, and most importantly, back to God. Amazing. Isn't our Lord amazing? I'm telling you amazing, but isn't our Lord amazing? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. He is amazing. <clears throat> and aren't we glad that he never changes? Because he's still merciful. He's still compassionate. He's still compassionate towards us. <clears throat> he's the same forever. Our Lord is accessible to us whenever we, we need him. He's available, available to us to be, involved, to be involved in our lives. And also he cares, about our, 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 he cares for us in a personal way. And that's beautiful. Because at times in our lives, there are times in our lives that when we think that God is not around. I've heard this before. 
I feel so alone. I don't think he hears me. I don't feel him. And we're not supposed to be feeling him. <laughs> As humans, we feel all kinds of things. But him is not. It's about that conviction. It's about faith that he's working in us. Because he is personally involved in our lives. Amen? Amen. Whether we feel or not feel, he is personally involved in our lives. And no matter what we're doing, he will always respond to us when we pray to him. Always. Might not be in our time. It might not be in our time, but he always responds. He always responds to our prayers. And he's inexhaustible in completing the spiritual purposes in our lives. He is. That's why Philippians 1, 1, 6 says, He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of our Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He's not done with us. He's not done with you. There's times also that we, are, we give up on ourselves or, or there's things that we go. He's not, he's not done with us. And we're waiting for that time, right? We, we, that, that's where we're celebrating Advent. And that's the, the, that's the candle. That's the, the candle of joy because we are waiting for that time where we'll be completely redeemed. Amen? Amen. So this woman went healed and she went saved. But Jairus is waiting. I mean, all of this, all of this things that has been happening, and Jairus is just waiting there, right? He's standing, he's, he's on standby, right? But we have no time. <laughs> and there's no need to worry because our Lord got to Jairus. There was, there was uh, all kinds of commotion going on in his house. They come and tell him, in the midst of everything that's happening with this woman, in the midst of everything that's happening to, with, with this woman, they come and tell, and they come and tell him, you thought he just died. Don't bother him anymore. But our Lord is interruptible, right? Because he says, don't worry about it. I got this covered. And he said, I got this covered. He's got it covered. He says, let's go. And he gets there, and there's commotion. There's people crying, uh, everything. And when he tells them there she's sleeping, don't worry, she's sleeping. They're laughing at him because they say he's sleeping. Kicks everybody out, kicks everybody out. And he says, little girl, get up. And what happened? She got up. The mercy, the compassion, the accessibility, the availability of our Lord. And he's still accessible and available to us. And personally, hear this, personally involved in our lives. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are in spite of who we are, Lord what we are, and we thank you for that. We thank you because your word says that we could come with confidence to your, to your throne of grace because you care about us. You feel our pain. You feel our suffering. That's the kind of God you are, and we thank you. And we give you glory, Lord.
for who you are. Help us always to trust in your character, in who you are, in your nature. Help us to trust you always. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.